0: Uh, This is Michael Osterlink. Welcome to a show which is sponsored today by Somatics Psychotherapy Today, which offers a collection of articles and insights to explore the relational realities of body-oriented psychotherapy practices. It's a great magazine. We definitely encourage you to check it out. Today, we're excited to have Dr. Alex Diz. He's a sports psychology consultant in private practice and serves as a consultant to athletes and coaches for Concordia, and Iona Colleges. He's been a licensed psychotherapist for over 20 years and has a doctoral degree in clinical psychology. Alex's primary focus of teaching is peak performance and mental wellness. How you doing, Alex?
1: Hey, how are you, Michael? Thank you, and great to see you again.
0: It's good to see you as well. Yeah. And uh, So how did you get into peak performance and mental wellness as a clinical psychologist?
1: Well, thank you for the, uh, asking this question. Um, it was not a, a direct path. I think it went through different curves. But the one that came clear to my mind is that in my work with working with clients, I noticed that the the progress that they were making by applying a cognitive approach was very useful and practical and it was moving along quite well. But I was also noticing that there were some circumstances that they were for some reasons coming back to see me and as if the thinking approach was as useful as it was was also had some limitations and the limitation was that part of the information that we gather as human beings come from the what we call the sensory awareness is is how we capture information from from the inside the nervous system and how it informs our thinking brain. So when I I grew up playing golf, and then I thought (laughs) golfers are very good at playing one shot at a time, but like most athletes, they tend to overly rely on the thinking as a way of trying to manage emotions. As if, if I were to say something, the emotion will go away. And if life would be that simple, <laughs> uh, they would be free, uh, uh, free of stress. But clearly, it is something more than just a thinking. Uh, what we came to, to understand is that a lot of the information that we have based on past experiences becomes stored implicitly inside our bodies, meaning we can go and tell a story about something wonderful that happened to me 10 years ago. Uh, most likely, I would have a wonderful open smile on my face. And the opposite happens as well. So if I have an opponent that I faced two months ago, uh, I just happened to be on the other side of the net, and I'm facing him to play the final of this tournament, my, my nervous system will pick up that experience in the past. So if the experience was one that I defeated that player and I played very in a confident way, most likely I would come to the court playing, feeling very confidently. Now, if that experience was just the opposite, most likely I would have some butterflies in the belly, some tightness, shortness of breath, because not so much because of the player, but mo- mostly because of the experience of two months ago that the body still is holding inside of us. So the, the work of uh, somatic psychology, I think, is super, because not only integrates the thinking, but also At how we can manage and be in awareness of those sensations, so we can help the body to regulate for the purpose of better performing. So, (laughs) kind of a long answer. That's uh, a great answer. In a a way, trying to integrate the entire human being. and This is what I really have this passion about: of conveying a message that is different in the field of sports psychology. um, That I think would be a huge plus on how to have a more holistic approach to um, peak performance.
0: So, yeah. so, so what I heard you say is you know, the nervous system, not just, the, not just cognition, not just the thinking mind, which is cognitive behavioral, okay. that you have to take, take into consideration the totality of the body, the nervous system. And I heard you, you know, acknowledge that where the nervous system leads to, the lungs, the breath, the heart, heart rate, the digestive system, other organ systems, has an effect on how one basically shows up That's right. You gave, you know, as an athlete, but just generally in life. How did you, you know, how did you go from your clinical psychology program, which I have to imagine did not include uh, any kind of discussion, especially a deep discussion on an embodied approach to working with clients, to an embodied approach to working with clients? Did you, you know, did you have some personal experiences that you're like, wow, I need to go study this? I, when I started, doing this work with non-athletes. Okay. Um, primarily it was
1: because in my line of work, I noticed some limitations by approaching from a cognitive um, a school of practice. So I, I knew that there was something else that we need to have better understanding. And I just ran into by chance, the work of Peter Levine, uh, the integration of mind and body in the use of um, somatic experiencing. So when that, I did that training about 20 years ago. Wow. Then, um, then I began to understand, this is really makes total sense. Uh, from relying 100% or way too much on the thinking approach, we are not including how the body is storing past information. and uh, That is the work and the, the world of the implicit Nonverbal communication is a very different approach from verbal to nonverbal, from explicit to implicit. But both together is about the human experience. So, when I began to notice how integrating these two approaches can really make a lot of sense in healing trauma, stress, anxiety, depression, um, then I came, made that leap of thought, I guess say, oh, we can integrate this to the uh, sports um, as well. So I kind of made that <laughs> um, based on my own personal experience as i playing golf growing up, and, and also me watching uh, performance and top athletes, how they tend to over um, rely on the thinking. And actually, one of the um, uh, tri- well not triggers experiences that was very vivid to me. Um, how about 10 years ago, more or less, there was an Olympics, forget where it was, but there was a major ice skater. I think it was Michelle Kwan. Uh, Michelle Kwan was a beautiful skater. I mean, she could not have any better skater on the ice. And you can see that although she was preparing extremely well, when it came down to competing in the last performance, for some reason, she was not able to perform to her best potential. Uh, when she was then uh, doing an exhibition post-Olympics, she was skating beautifully. Mm. So I thought, this is a wonderful athlete with so much talent. And I'm wondering if uh, even at that level is some somatic memory that may be getting in the way of being really with the flow of the moment. Because that's a challenge that every athlete has, or every human being. Um, and then the challenge is not so much about being the flow, is that being the flow is pretty much something almost impossible to achieve in, in a long period of time. So we can be in the flow for some time, but the mind will get distracted. And that's part of the nature of the, of the mind, get distracted. So flow is about, from my understanding, it's less about being the flow all the time, which is humanly impossible. I'm more about noticing when I got distracted and how I can quickly regain focus.
0: So, so let me ask you that. So let's, let's just use, let's say you're working with an athlete and they are, they have some level or degree of unconscious competence. They can get into a flow state. They don't have to think about what they're doing, but they get to a point in their performance, whatever where their sport is, where their mind starts, you know, the monkey mind starts doing their monkey mind thing and it breaks them out of that flow state. You know How might you work with that person to help them, make, as you said earlier, self-regulate themselves back into a flow state and manage what we might call the monkey mind from the Buddhist Right.
1: Great. So, so I will invite them to uh, first share the experience of what it's like they're going through. Secondly is there is um, a cognitive understanding. So they will explain to me, this happens to me, blah, 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 blah. What I will invite them them to do is, as they're telling me the story of what happened, I'll, I invite them to pause, and as they remember the story, what happened, is any sensation that they are feeling or sensing in their bodies. Okay. So, and this, so most likely, we will say, "Oh, I have some tingling or some tension." For example, I just recently was working with a college basketball player. And the challenge was making consistent uh, free throws. Now he can do that very well during practice in in, uh, matches very different. When he was explaining to me what he was going through and took a pause of the experience, immediately there was some tension from going from the shoulders all the way down to the tip of his fingers on both arms. So somatically, it's a lot of information that we can capture by being with that sensation. And if we allow the sensation to be, the body organically has a way of self-regulating and moving that stuck energy into some intention or some movement or something that, that stuck energy wants to do. So by allowing that sensation to be, then she was able to maybe move the arms and then have a different vision, and there was some shakiness a little bit on the both arms, which is the stack of the nervous system in the both arms and so we worked around with that experience, which she was quite well, he was quite surprised I mean like she, he couldn't believe that was what was my <laughs> my arms feeling um, So once we're able to stay with that sensation and able to do what we call the discharge, meaning to stay with the sensation and how the body is through tingling or shaking. Con- continues doing, then that is what organically the body has been wanting to do, but has not been able to complete. Because the thinking brain tends to take over uh, and it's a way of regulating emotions. Meaning, regulating to some extent. Regulating as not wanting to deal with this discomfort because it's very uncomfortable, so let's go and move on and continue playing. But the body has a different message, which is not implicitly understood. So it's only understood if we pay attention very closely and we take a pause and bring awareness to it. And when we do, then the sensations come up. So the, the process is that of being psychoeducated about how, how the body holds experiences, how to then be with those experiences in a curiosity or curious mindset, right? And then the third step is how the body then from that curiosity wants to move the sensations next hmm. normally the sensations may have some intention of moving some intentions of maybe saying something some intention of being quiet i i don't know what the intention the body has i mean we we are just a wonderful witness to what the body wants to do but being able to give the body permission to complete that stuck sensation, it allows uh, the stuck sensations to move, and then that regains more flexibility. So when the next experience comes up, the brain will remember the past experience without the intense nervous system experience that has been holding over time. So we cannot delete memory, it's impossible. I think what athletes and human beings, or anybody, wants to address is the discomfort that we feel when we remember X. Because if we can to remember X without the discomfort, then it's just a memory. I think what the issue is that, what we remember a, one, a difficult experience, is the discomfort that we feel that comes up organically that we associate as difficult to be with. And because we don't know what to do with it, then the thinking brain takes over and either in in an unhealthy way sometimes, trying to cope in different ways. So that's where anger comes up, anxiety, or we dissociate, we want to deal with this, or light up a cigarette, right? So the body, when it reaches the top of its ability to sustain and amount of stress, it goes into unhealthy coping mechanisms. But if we welcome the sensation a little bit and be with it, then we are doing the body a huge service. So I usually give an example, which is let's suppose we have a balloon and the balloon is inflating with stress. Well, there are three ways of releasing stress from this balloon. One is I can have a <laughs> and then boom, right? But well, that's typically what anger does. Right? We had this explosion, right? Then the second option would be to release the balloon, just let it go, and then go shh, different directions. So that's what we likely see: more distracting, lack of focus, lack of uh, difficulty with motivation, right? But then the third option is take the balloon by the neck. I just release a little bit of air, and then hold tight. Release a little bit, and then hold tight. Meaning, the body holds a lot of experiences from all these years of it have been alive. So, to expect that all of, all of a sudden, all of that experience would come out, is the body is very scared about that. And that usually happens with many athletes or, or individuals that I see, that they, they have so much stress, but the idea of releasing the stress is too scary yeah. it's not so much about the idea of releasing stress is the what will happen next meaning so much will come out that i don't know don't know if i will be able to manage what will happen next
0: yeah.
1: so that's why they what we call the titration meaning one little piece at a time let's touch a little bit the uh, tingling or stress that you feel in your arms, from shoulders to uh, to the tip of the fingers, just be with them a little bit, and it becomes an invitation to be with that sensation as a way of allowing the body to slowly begin to release some of the stress. The
0: it sounds thing, like so. Also, sounds like too, the way you know by doing it a little bit at a time, you're you're teaching them to self-manage. Exactly, it's not yes. blowing up, it's not holding it in, but <laughs> by doing it a little bit at a time, they, they develop the capacity to do that elsewhere over time more skillfully. 100% right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's the key
1: for when you look at big performance, is the ability to manage the little moments. Um, well, because when we do, then we add a little moment here, a little moment there, a little moment over here, then uh, we have a big moment. Right. Uh, that's right. So the, um, the, the little moment is, let's say, I'm about to uh, uh, have it, uh, I don't know, a lacrosse game, for example. Um, but then on my way to the field, I am already feeling that tingling or uh, tension moments. That's the little moment. So maybe doing some awareness and set-regulating exercises prior to reaching the uh, field, then we are allowing the body to begin to discharge some of that uh, stress. Then the second step may be, I am warming up, and then already feeling some of the stress is coming up because I see the opponent on the, on the other side of the field. Okay, so rather than minimizing, pretending, or, or ignoring not to see them, or just allow the sensations coming up, and then do some self-regulating experiences. And then during the game, then you may feel tension because the game goes back and forth. And um, we were maybe up by two goals, then down by three. So it can be very, very um, fast game. So the ability to segula- regulate all um, on and off, on and off, thus we are given and allowing the body a huge favor of regulating all the time. Um, so that's one of the best gifts we can give to ourselves, the idea that on, on purpose we give the body an opportunity to regulate constantly, or continuously, rather. Um, so we allows the body to have this organic peak a little bit of stress, and then go down a little bit. Peak a little bit of stress, and then low, uh, down a little bit. Because if you don't do that, then the body will go into this tension moment. It goes up before the game starts. And then I step on the field, and then up a little bit more. And then the game's about to start, then up a little bit more. Well, when the opponent scores the first goal, they, pff, I lose it. I lose it because it's not so much they score one point. It's because I have accumulated so much inside of me with no way of allowing the nervous system to find an organic way to discharge that much energy that then just one goal is not just one goal. It's how the nervous system is not really able to manage all the accumulated stress. Um, so anyways. Let
0: me ask you this. So, what I hear is, and I'll use the term mindfulness, you're bringing mindfulness to the body, uh, specific to certain uh, segments or locations in the body in in which this energy, we'll use the term energy, gets stuck, which has an effect on the muscles and the tendons and ligaments and and the fascia and all that kind of good stuff. And it sounds like what you're talking about is as more mindful, as you, the more mindful you are to those segments of your body, the energy naturally begins to release that's right do you also bring intentionality to it in the sense that you might bring up specific exercises to do like breath work to help facilitate the management of the nervous system that's right
1: so breathing is a great exercise uh i either is one exercise we do uh called four seven eight i mean we inhale quickly to the count of four we pause the count of seven, exhale to the count of eight. So it's a way of uh, discharging some of the excess energy. Uh, we can also do the opposite, let's see. Um, I think it's called A74. <laughs> <laughs> so meaning we want to up um, via the energy. So, um, so that can work the there two ways around. Um, the, um, uh, the breathing from the diaphragm is a very common exercise and works extremely well. Um, being aware and bringing um, some imagery also works very positively. Um, so maybe have an exercise where I can imagine myself performing and uh, not just imagining, but also being awareness of the sensation coming up for me as I imagine something, then I, I informing the body of that positive experience so I can be uh, more in the felt sense awareness of the moment. Um, so there are a few exercises that we combine together. Um, but, um, let me, one second. Um, so let me, so I'll be right back.
0: Yeah. So what I hear you saying is you do do breath work, intentional breath work, whether to, uh, increase the energy of the body or to increase yeah. it That's right. or arousal control. Um, you know, so, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of, of our conversation. That the show is sponsored by Semitics Therapy Today, which is a, a fantastic magazine about body psychology. And I'm curious, you know, it's great that there's a magazine, there's an association, you know, there's a lot of people in this field growing the field. What kind of feedback have you gotten from some of the more conventionally trained clinicians who don't know anything necessarily about an embodied approach to psychology in general or to peak performance and working with athletes in particular?
1: In general, I, they are a bit surprised a little bit. And I also find that integrating uh, the somatic piece, it equally makes a lot of sense to them. Just like it made sense to me that there's a lot of positives about uh, psychodynamic and cognitive approaches. They also have experiences of working with clients and they finding that that approach has also some limitations, and when we have an education and talk about how the nervous system really works, then they kind of say, "Oh, god, wow, that kind of makes sense." And so, and I say exactly what when I work with uh, individuals and athletes, when I provide a psycho-educational talk about well, how the body works and how it informs the uh, the brain and regulates emotions, most of the times, if not all the time, they say, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and it not really only makes sense, I think what, one of the most beautiful things I hear uh, quite frequently is that it makes sense from an organic perspective, and that takes away that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Because they, we begin to find or to associate that whatever sensation is coming up for me, therefore, that equals I am this person. And when we create a distinction between who you are as an individual and what your body is trying to do and manage based on daily life experiences, and uh, has come to a point where the nervous system has reaching capacity and doesn't know what else to do but to create these other coping skills that are not working uh, healthy uh, health-wise for you, then be able to have a healthy separation between who I am and let's work together so I can provide some resources and heal and and provide some um, better ways of how I can let go of my stress that I have uh, inside of me. So that's one of the most beautiful things I hear most of the times, which is, I mean, um, as a psychotherapist, that's the one thing we like, love to hear, um, that they embrace the process I understand it, and that makes them to be more likely to be uh, willing to do more work because they, um, they're embracing this is how it's, it's, it's working and we need to work together. Um, so
0: it's great. So what, what I hear you saying saying is, is that your clients – Integrate the subjective and the objective and what I mean by that is yeah. by learning to be with what is subjectively That's right. they Free their body up right, and learning to objectify their body in a sense and getting some distance as a witness to it right. uh, They're also freed up to a certain extent to then integrate back the experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah Now,
1: The, the, the culture I mean it has been telling us something very different uh, there's something wrong with us uh, we tend to see Life as a black and white, win-lose um, uh, perspective. Um, uh, unless we have a different way of understanding, this is what we know. Uh, it's not anybody's fault. It's just what we know. It's knowing differently or knowing something new or how the body works. Then that creates a different way of normalizing experiences. Uh, that can really create a lot of wonderful release and normalization uh, for a lot of uh, clients that come to see me. Um, and this is really wonderful, so yeah.
0: And, and I have to imagine, because I know you, you don't just work with athletes, you work with everyday folks, right. um, and that the same things you work with athletes on in terms of self-management, self-regulation, self-awareness are the same capacities yeah. and skills that would benefit anyone in their yeah. life. Because we all have these holding patterns, ways yeah. of being triggered, Right. Uh, talk a little about, you know, just your non-athletic clients and, and do you have a uh, f- primary focus? Is there a group of non-athletes you like to work with or are you open to working with anyone and everyone?
1: So likely for me, I got the opportunity of working with either young um, children. I mean, I, I work with as young as four years old. Wow. Um, and then, as old as mm, old as I uh, willing to come in <laughs> uh, seventy, sometimes eight years old, um, so it 's been a pleasure to work with different types of individuals who have different struggles, whether it's from a school dynamic school situation issues, uh, peer uh, conflicts family family dynamic uh, situations uh, parent child dynamics um, so i 've been very fortunate to be participant in that
0: process of working with variety of different clients um, has been wonderful. Awesome. So folks are interested, you know, whether they're athletes and they want to work with you or they're between four and 70, obviously, or if they're <laughs> under 18, they probably have to get an adult to contact you to begin with. But how, you know, how, where are you and how can people get hold of you and where can people learn more about your work?
1: Perfect. Great. So my office is located in the town of Takahou, which is about uh, half an hour north of um, New York City. Uh, easy, easy access through uh, by train. Um, then you can find me, I have a website, it's called um, Sports Mental Edge. Um, I have a Facebook page, the same, um, Sports Mental Edge. Um, so that's kind of my main to uh, social media Uh, menus that I offer. Um, Those interested in subscribing or adding their name to the distribution list to newsletters that I write on a quarterly basis, please feel free to go to the website and add your name. Um, I just wrote one. uh, The last one just came out a couple of weeks ago, um, and I wrote about um, uh, athletes that are benched (laughs) and the experiences of what's like to be benched. Um, so, um, but also about how to use, I mean, nobody wants every single athlete that has picked up any sport is practicing for the purpose of playing it and not to be on the bench, right? Um, so, but also we can use a lot of wonderful information about what it's like to be a bench player, sometimes because you're replaced or injury or different circumstances. But there's a lot of wonderful opportunities. as as an athlete but also as a human being because sometimes things are outside our control and we have to find ways of coping so we can be the best cheer cheering person i can be for the success of the greater team nice nice, right and and when we look into uh, whether it's athletes and a team component or we go to the corporate world or work in in a faculty or university we work in conjunction with other people, we really work in isolation. And when we have this opportunity of how to be more cheerful, inviting, curious, um, and be promoting and working together, um, and also being present, that's when we create more unity all together. I mean, the, the last person that, that we want to see is someone who is um, on the bench and being upset and triggering everybody else. That that's creates a negative chemistry, but it doesn't matter whether you are working for even financial corporation. You know, if you are someone who is upset about uh, whatever circumstances they are, the best thing you can do is try to address them the best you can so you can create a, a better team atmosphere for the rest of the team to have a better cohesiveness approach and better outcomes. So um, the, anyways, that's kind of what I wrote. <laughs> Cool. Um, so how to use bench uh, opportunity to be to be a human being that you want to be. So, uh,
0: awesome. Well, somehow. Alex, I want to thank Somatic Psychotherapy today for introducing us. Yeah, welcome. It's uh, been nice to talk to you and getting to learn more about your work and how you work with both athletes and non-athletes. Okay. And I look forward to uh, future conversations with you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for the opportunity. Very nice. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah.